Well, last Sunday morning, we began, we began a series on the general theme of preparing for revival. And we looked last Sunday morning, we looked at the importance of having a fresh encounter with the Lord, fresh encounters with the Lord. We looked particularly at Jacob. Now, this morning, I'd like to basically continue on the same theme and another way, another way that we can prepare for what's ahead, and another way we can prepare for revival is through, you know, true repentance and crying out to God that God would bring us even into a, a deeper level of repentance. And so this morning we're looking at true repentance. You know, there is, there's a tremendous battle for our nation a tremendous battle for the soul of our nation. And as we all know, you know, we desperately, we desperately need revival. Revival is our only hope. You know, we thank God for Independence Day. We remember the freedoms, the liberties that we have, and we're thankful to God for those liberties, those freedoms. But... Many are going on a different course today. There's many problems in the land. And that our nation, basically, even though it was started on, by godly forefathers, now many are wanting to turn the, the way of the nation you know, into ungodliness and unrighteousness and all kinds of sin. And our nation has been breaking the laws of God and breaking the commandments of God. And really the answer to our many problems, it's only revival. It's not some ideology. It's not some political party, not politics, not protest, not education, not a better economy, but revival. And even though that's the answer, in a sense, there's nothing we can do. We, we can't conjure up revival. We can't bring revival to pass. I mean... Revival is something that, that sovereignly comes from God. But even though it sovereignly comes from God, what we can do, and that's what we're looking at in these series, we can press into God. We can cry out to the Lord that we would have a fresh meeting with him, fresh meetings with him. And we can cry out the Lord, to the Lord that God would bring us to a, to a deeper repentance so that we can be used of him, you know, in this coming revival. And a verse we've, we've looked at so many times, but yet is so relevant to our situation right now, was the verse that God gave to King Solomon at the time when the temple was dedicated. And 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, who are called after my name... If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then the next part where it says, and turn from their wicked ways. To turn from their wicked ways. And basically that is saying to repent. To come into a deeper repentance. To turn from your wicked ways. God said if you obey those four conditions. And the fourth one was true repentance. Turning from wicked ways. Then God promises. He promises three things. He promises 
God will hear us. He'll hear from heaven. He promises he'll forgive our sin. And he promises, thirdly, that he will heal our land. He will heal our land. The great revivalist Charles Finney in the 1800s, he said this. He said, revival is renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. Let me say that again. Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to the Lord. And last Sunday morning, we, I just shared, shared briefly a vision of Pastor Bailey had many years about revival in the last days. And I think I also shared about six weeks ago about a vision that David Wilkinson had. And I just like to repeat that. And David Wilkinson, he's gone to be with the Lord, as most of you are aware. He's, he was the, the pastor of senior pastor of Times Square Church in New York, and he started the Teen Challenge uh, Ministry, which went all over the world. And he was, he was having breakfast with a, a Dr. Mike Evans. This is way back in 1986. 1986, 34 years ago. And he said this. God gave him the vision, and, and this was the vision. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, the churches... And the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken before. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. Repentance will be the cry of the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. And he says the third great awakening, the first great awakening was in the 1700s in America and when godly men like Jonathan Edwards and, and then Charles Wesley came from England and also George Whitfield and preached, you know, thousands turned to the Lord, thousands upon thousands turned to the Lord. And then in the 800s, 1800s, it was what is called, often called the second great awakening and that was... Men of God like Charles Finney, again, he had a huge crusade, strong emphasis on repentance. Thousands came to Christ, others like Dwight Moody and others. And there was just a turning of the nation to God. And our nation, you know, since then has been on a downward incline, a downward slope. But we believe God. There's going, God will move again. And there will be a third great awakening. In other words, there'll be great revival, outpouring of the Spirit, which will sweep America, and not just America, even the nations of the, of the world. And, you know, one way which we can prepare, you know, for revival is to, to cry out to God and ask him that he will draw us afresh to himself, I mean, really, even that's a gift of God. Even repentance is a gift to God, is a gift from God. But we must ask God that He will come and He will work in our hearts and He will bring about a deeper work of cleansing 
and repentance in our lives. You know, really, repentance is at the very heart of the gospel. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 3, and in verse 2, Jesus said, or John the Baptist said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Matthew 4 and verse 17, you know, the first message of Jesus, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the first instruction of the Apostle Peter on the day of on the day of Pentecost, the people were convicted of their sins. There was great conviction of sin. And they cried out, what shall we do? And the first thing that Peter says, he says to repent. Repent. That's the number one. First thing was to, was to repent. And then in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, and Peter is preaching there, and that is the occasion when the man who was born paralyzed, he never walked, and Peter prayed and spoke in the name of Jesus, and he was walking and leaping and praising God, and the power of God came upon him, and a mighty miracle. And then in Acts 3 and verse 19, Peter is preaching, and then he tells them, he tells them, he says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, in the King James, which that's the King James, it says, when the times of refreshing... But in the ESV and in the Amplified, which I think is a more accurate translation, it says it, says it like this. Be converted that your sins may be blotted out that the time, that, so that the times of refreshing will come. So that the times of refreshing shall come. So repentance, when God brings repentance, repentance leads to blessing. Repentance leads to refreshing, and times of refreshing will come. And, you know, the, the rains in Israel, they had the rain, they had the former rain, they had the latter rain, and that latter rain would bring the harvest to maturity. And, you know, people would rejoice, would, re, re, would rejoice when the rain would fall, and the rain would come, and the refreshing, and it would bring that crop to maturity. And it was the same with the former rain and in the latter rain. And as those rains, rains, rain came, as those rains came, there'd be great life and tremendous blessing for the nation. And so as we repent, as we repent, as there's a deeper work of God in repentance, there comes, you know, a greater refreshing and a great blessing from the Lord. When the Apostle Paul preached in Athens, he, he preached there in Acts 17 and verse 30, and he says, The time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. You know, that was the message. He, that was the message he preached. And then when it speaks about the elementary doctrines of Christ in Hebrews 6 and verse 1, the first one that's mentioned is repentance, the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now I want to look at just six, six aspects of true repentance. Six aspects of first repentance. And firstly, there must be a confessing or an acknowledging of our sin. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Hebrews, Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says, speaks about if we hide our sins, 
we will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. There must be a confessing of our sin. In Psalm 51, speaking of David, it said, I acknowledge my sin. There must be an acknowledgement of our sin. And so the second aspect or second aspect of repentance is turning, turning. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, and this was the occasion in Paul's missionary journey when he preached and he started a church, he pioneered a church in the, the city of Thessalonica, and he's writing to them sometime afterwards. And he, he writes, and in verse 9, he said, How you turned, you turned from idols to serve the living God. They turned from idols to God, and they served the Lord with all their being. And so there's a confessing, there is a turning. Also, repentance, there is number three, there is a sorrowing, a sorrow. There must be, you know, we're sorry, I've done wrong. And we're sorry for that. You know, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, you know, he, the, the Pharisee was full of all his good deeds and how good he was. He rejoiced he wasn't like that publican or tax collector. And he said, you know, I, I pay tithes of everything I get, and tithing is good. But he was boasting about it. He said, I fast twice a week. Not that fasting is wrong, but he was boasting about all the things he did. And then there was the publican. Who was, who was truly sor sorrowful. And in Luke 18, verse 13, he, he just beat on his breast. He smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful unto me, a sinner. God be merciful unto me, a sinner. You know, there was a, a sorrow, a sorrow, a godly sorrow that was there. And then fourthly, repentance is a forsaking, forsaking. You know, some people... They can confess, they can turn, they can be sorry. But it's not true repentance if they're not willing to forsake that sin and turn from that sin and have nothing to do with it. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covers his sin will not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes that sin will have mercy, will have mercy. And as I said, some people will acknowledge their sin, they're even sorry for it, but they're not willing to forsake their sin. And then fifthly, true repentance revolves changing. And repentance is a changed mind, a changed mind that results in a chain, change of direction. A changed mind that results in a change of direction. If we're going one way, there's a change of mind, we turn around and we go in another direction. Like that prodigal, prodigal son, he went the way of the world, he spent all his money, he ended up feeding pigs, he came to the end of himself and then he turned around and there was a change of mind and then he went in a different direction, he went back to his father and he went to serve his father, to, to, we could say, to serve the Lord. So it's a change, a changed mind that results in a change of direction and a transformed life. And the Greek word, is a Greek, one of the Greek words for repentance is metanoah. 
And meta means change, and noia, it means mind, like a changed mind, a changed mind, a transformed life. And then sixthly, there's a thought of restoring, restoring, or rest, restoration, restitution. And true repentance involves restitution from the past. Luke 19, verse 8, Zacchaeus. And, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, this is when you know the Lord had been to his house for a meal, and Zacchaeus, there was great conviction in his heart, and there was great, you know, there was true repentance. He was sorry for the for the things that he'd done, and how that he was, how he cheated people and asked more tax than he should have. And he said, "Behold, half my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold." Book was written a number of years ago by Jimmy Voss, who was a wiretapper, and he made thousands of dollars illegally and was converted at a Billy Graham crusade. And he virtually had to sell everything that he had, but he did it, and he paid back everything that he'd stolen and got illegally. Uh, he, he paid everything back, and it was, it was quite an amazing testimony. So repentance, true repentance, is a confessing a turning, a sorrowing, a forsaking, a changing, a restoring. And if true repentance has taken place, there'll be the results of that repentance. There'll be the fruit of repentance. And John the Baptist told the multitude in Luke 3 and verse 8, he said, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, don't just say you've repented, show by your actions that you have repented. And so they said to John, well, what shall we do? And in verse 11, Luke 3 and verse 11, John told them, if they have two coats, give to, give to one that has no coat. And if they have food, give to those who have no food. In other words, you know, being, being generous, that is one of the fruits of repentance. And then, in, then the, the, the publicans came to Jesus, the tax collectors, and they said, well, what shall we do? And Jesus said, exact no more than is appointed unto you. In other words, Jesus is telling them, don't be corrupt anymore. Don't be cheating. Don't ask more tax than you should and keep the rest, pocket the rest yourself. And then the soldiers came to John, and, and they said, what shall we do? Luke 3 and verse 4. 14. And John, sa John says to them, he told them to do no violence to any man. Don't accuse anyone falsely. Be content with your wages. And so repentance, true repentance, it'll be marked by the fruit of repentance. If there's true repentance in our heart, there'll be fruits, there'll be actions which will confirm what God has done in our hearts. And Repentance is very much to believers. In fact, five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, five of them, and some of them were very strong Pentecostal churches, but they needed to, five of those churches needed to repent. And Jesus had to tell them, rebuke them, and tell them, repent. The first church to Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. This was a great church in many ways. 
It was full of good, good deeds. It had all kinds of programs. They had good doctrine. They had everything you could think of they could have. But there was one big problem. They'd lost their first love for the Lord. They'd lost their first love. Without love, everything crumbles. And Jesus tells them to repent and return to their first love, or their candlestick would, would be removed. The church of Pergamos in Revelation 2.16, Jesus had to rebuke them and call them to repent. The church in Thyatira in Revelation 2.21 and 22, Jesus said judgment was coming. Judgment was coming to them because of their immorality. If they did not repent, then the church of Sardis, that was the, the church. They had a name that they were alive, but they were really dead. And Jesus told them, Revelation 3, 3, they were to repent. And then the last church, the Laodicean church, in Revelation 3 and verse 19, they were a half-hearted church. They were lukewarm church. They were neither hot or cold. They were just sort of in between indifferent in their Christian life. And Jesus said, repent, repent, to repent. And by the grace of God, we need to repent, to repent for what we, sh and we need to repent, not just, not just at times for what we have done wrong, but there are times when we need to repent when we have not done those things that God has called us to do. You know, maybe we think, well, we're okay. We haven't done outward things, wrong things. But it's possible not to commit outward sins, but yet to be lukewarm, to be apathetic, to be indifferent in our Christian lives. And those who are indifferent, we must repent. We must repent. To repent for what we should have done and have not done. In fact, the, one of the words for sin is the Greek word hamatia. And that Greek word, which is used in Romans 3, verse 23, familiar verse, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, hamatia, and come short of the glory of God. And the meaning of that Greek word, it means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. And so, you know, God has a purpose he has a plan for each one of our lives. And if we miss that mark, if we miss that mark, you know, the Bible calls that sin because we've not fulfilled the intention and the purpose of Almighty God for our lives. So it is sin, you know, just to be remaining stationary in our Christian life. You know, really in our Christian life, if we're, if we're not going on, we're, we're, we're going back. And so by the grace of God, we have, a, we have a purpose. You're a per person of destiny. You're a person of destiny. God has a plan. He has an awesome destiny for every one of our lives. And it's all, each one is different. We can't copy somebody else. God has a unique destiny for your life. And so it is sin, it is sin to miss coming into what God has in store. And we need to pray that we will, day by day, Day by day, we will fulfill the mark God has for us, not just in our life, but you know, day by day, week by week, month by month, 
year by year, by the grace of God, we will accomplish those things that God has planned even for, from the foundation of the earth. You know, repentance is an ongoing process. And maybe we are not doing things which are wrong. But, you know, we're just, we, we're just not full on for God. And, you know, God wants us by his grace, you know, to know that true repentance. Even Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23, he says, God, and he's speaking about Israel, and he says, God forbid that I should sin against God in ceasing to pray for you. And, you know, the prophet Samuel was saying that he did not want to sin by failing to pray for Israel. And so when God puts his finger on something in our lives, you know, we need to repent if we're going to move on in God and know the refreshing of the Lord. And when, when God puts his finger on something in our lives and wants us to repent, it will be clear. It will be definite. It will be specific. It is the enemy who seeks to bring us into condemnation and get us into introspection and in being inward-looking inward and telling us, you know, you're no good. You are never going to make it. But by the grace of God, we want to, I want to pray this morning that God would do something fresh and God would just reveal himself in a new way and God would lead us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance because repentance takes us off. Through repentance, it prepares the way for revival. It prepares the way for God to move. It prepares the way for God's hand, God's blessing, God's touch to come richly upon our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we pray, oh God, Lord, that you would come, you would draw us unto yourself. Lord, you do a deeper work in our lives. Lord, we ask you that you, you would come. Lord, you would show us things which are not pleasing to you in our lives. Maybe things we've done. Maybe things we've not done, which we should have done. Oh, God, and Lord, we pray. Lord, give us a tender heart. Lord, that we would be those who would repent before you. And Lord, we would be those, Lord, who would turn to you and be changed and be transformed. Oh, God, Lord, may we search our hearts. Lord, try our hearts. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in your way everlasting.
just ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's something that the Lord will put his finger on in your life. Maybe some sin that you've done. If it's just towards the Lord, we need to repent towards the Lord. If it involves others, sometimes we need to go to somebody and put things right. Maybe it's something that God has spoken to you about and you have not done. Maybe it's something you should have done but you haven't. Just ask the Lord. Lord, we pray that you would take us on, you would lead us into even deeper areas of repentance. Lord, that we would be changed. Lord, that we would know your glory. Lord, we would know your abundant blessing upon our lives. And Lord, that we would be more and more like you. Lord, work as only you can in your precious name. Amen. Amen.